This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Oh my God. Wow. It's Jean Van Pugh, baby. We out here, baby. Oh man, we out here. Back again with another show. Finally, man. I thought I was going to record Friday, but I was loafing. I thought I was going to record Saturday, but I was loafing. But here we are today. I thought I was going to be able to make picks and prediction. I wasn't on my grind. But here I am with this show. And I can't believe it. I got to talk about another major historical political event. Here we go again. And, you know, I must say, and this one hits close to home, because if you don't know by now, I'm in D.C. I'm from D.C. I'm local. I live four miles from the Capitol. I've ran, I've ran to the Capitol. Oh my God. Maybe 20, 30 times, maybe more. That's it's pretty, it's a pretty straight shot from, from where I live. Pretty much. It's not far. It hits close to home. I guess I'll start with where I was. I guess, uh, when everything was happening, I was about to do lift. It was about three o'clock. I was about to go do lift from like three to eight, I believe. And I I was coming home for something. I I, I don't remember why I was coming home early. Oh, I think the Baylor was playing OU. Yeah, that's exactly why I was coming home. Yeah. So anyway, I hear about stuff going on the Capitol. But before then, before then, I knew January 6th was going to be something because Trump kept teasing it. And kept hearing about the stop the steal uh, protest in, in, in March that was going to happen. I think a precursor to this was a few weeks ago. Before this, there was a big, you know, right wing rally here in D.C. a few weeks before this. So I guess we was, you know, that was a warm up <laughs> because. I, I honestly thought this rally was going to be just like that one. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make much of the Trump speech. I, I didn't. I just overlooked it all. I just looked at this whole thing as in a arrogant, naive type of way. Like, okay, some people going to gather around downtown. They're going to make some noise. There's going to be some fights on Twitter. And then that's it. Like, we're not. It, that's it. It just is what it is. All that stuff's going to go downtown. No one's going to cross the Anacostia River because they don't want no smoke. It's just, I just didn't expect much of it. I thought it was just going to be like last time. And I guess it wasn't because, um, oh, and I was at Planet Fitness when Trump was doing his speech. I couldn't really hear it because the music was blasting and I was just laughing. I was like, all these people standing outside 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. That even earlier than that, people were outside waiting for Trump to speak. And I was like, damn, they really ride for this dude. And I was just smiling. I was just laughing. I was like, y'all got to be kidding me. Especially with all this COVID in D.C. and everywhere. Dog, the COVID testing lines in D.C. are long as hell. So you can't even come in. You, you can't come over here with that nonsense. But, you know, I guess there's a more important cause. 
And while I was driving, I was getting texts and tweets about, you know, am I okay? Uh, everything is going on. It's be careful. Be safe. My mom was texting me. My friends were texting me. People on Twitter was, was asking me if I was all right. I just shrugged it. I was like, yeah, I'm all right, man. I didn't think nothing of it until even on the radio. Shout out to 1067 and fan. Shout out to uh, Pete Medhurst. He said, oh, there's some stuff going on in the Capitol. He was praying for people. See, I didn't know how serious it was till I picked up a writer from somewhere in Virginia. I think about Falls Church, Arlington. And she told me, oh, it's it's for real. It, it's, it's, it's for real. Somebody got shot. They actually broke into the Capitol. And it's... It's serious. And it's all because of Trump. And I was like, oh, 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 this, are y'all serious? Oh, this is for real now. Okay. All right. So then I was like, damn, I can't believe they gone that far. I was like doing too much. That was my instant reaction. Like they doing too much, man. It's not that serious. I was like, you broke into the Capitol? Why? What was the... You know what? I know the reason. I know the reason. I guess I know the reason. <laughs> oh, man. I guess they were trying to literally stop the steal. They were trying to interrupt Congress and make a disruption and, you know, distract them from certifying the vote that would make Joe Biden president officially. I don't blame you. Well, okay, I kind of blame you. You went too far. Like, you could have just stayed on the street. You could have did some other things, but you just went too far. You breached uh, one of the main federal bills. And you know what? All they did, uh, they were scared. Now, you did scare them. You did get their attention. But then all they did was get you out of there, regroup, reconvene, vote it anyway, and Joe Biden's still the president. Damn. You know what? That's an L. Take this L. Hold this L. That's an L, bro. But hey, man, you got in there. You had your guns. You were taking pictures. You taking videos. You think this shit is a game. Then the FBI, the FBI just rounded y'all all up, man. They was just, they watched the film. And yep, at the review of the play, the ruling on the field is overturned. <laughs> they got the FBI got you. They caught you in 4K. Oh my God. Come on, man. Come on, man. I, I just don't I, I I just don't understand. Like the crazy thing is, I hate to say it, but most of the people that were there for the stop the steal rally or whatever. They were peaceful. I'm pretty sure they were peaceful. Just like on the other side when they were protesting George Floyd and Jacob Blake and everything that's going on, most of them were peaceful, but you had some people that will riot and break into things and and commit acts of violence. That's just a small section of people. I think on both sides, you had a lot of peaceful people, but the fact still remains. This could have been totally avoided. This could have been totally avoided if they had just accepted the election results. But they couldn't do that. 
I, I just look at the little bit of evidence people have, and I'm just like, I just don't, I don't see it. Like, I, if y'all, I'm, I was the whole time I was like, if y'all can come up with some real good evidence that they, they cheated and fixed the election. All right, okay, they're wrong. Trump's the president. Whatever. I'm still gonna be the goat. I'm still gonna be the greatest of all time, no matter who's the president. The president is a system quarterback. So I'm not really worried about the president of the United States. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay, Trump did lead the insurrection, which was dangerous, but uh, I just think it was just those people. They just took it too far. Because 99% of people that listen to Trump ain't going to do that. It's just the little 0.1% of those people just decided... Okay, we're going to run up in the Capitol and we're going to make some noise. Man, you got... I don't think either rally should have happened, but it did. And I'm just trying to... uh, Just trying to make sense of it all. It's just a lot of finger pointing, a lot of virtue signaling. Once again, on both sides. And both of y'all are nuts. And that's why I'm an independent. Because you all are crazy. And I don't fuck with you. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Y'all crazy and I don't fuck with you. Either way, listen. The only way it's going to be major changes in the United States is if we either change our economic system, another country takes over, or a major, major event like bigger than 9-11 got to happen. Other than that, it's going to be minor changes here and there. And that's it. We're still running the same type of system that makes America, America. Like, we still got the same health care. We still got the same type of capitalism. It just is what it is. It's just part of being American. I, You know, I wish there was no racism, but, I mean, that's just, I mean... That's just a human nature thing. Like it's it's a it's a um we treat people who are different from us badly. Like we do. Like we we treat them badly cuz we don't cuz we're kind of ignorant sometimes. Because people didn't grow up like us. They don't have the same values. So there can be some resentment and some tension. That's how people act. To begin with, so I guess that's why there's racism and and it just keeps perpetuating. That's just the same. That's just a shame that we gotta uh, we judge people off skin color, but not everyone's the same. Not everyone with the same skin color is the same type of person. But you know, we make we love generalizations because they're easy, and we we just we just love we we love generalizations. We love stereotypes. So here we go. Here we are. Um, you can't you can't blame black people for saying there's two Americas because look at the history. Uh, brought here on slave ships, slaves for hundreds of years. Jim Crow, um, Emmett Till, the Tulsa race riots, Black Wall Street, MLK. Uh, Man, everything that happened to MLK even before he died. Oh, look at the film Selma. 
as fuck, man. Uh, Jacob Blake, Tamir Rice, Breonna Taylor. There's too many examples that show there are uh, powers that be and there are certain group of folks that don't care about black people, bro. It may not be an individual white person, so to say, because not everyone's the same, but it's it's enough white people or, you know, yeah, there's enough of the majority and white people to say, y'all don't care about us. Even if it ain't true, and if you go one by one, person by person. And that's not good. That's not good. Like, it just, the images, it looked like you were coddling the the protesters that stormed the Capitol. It looked like you went easy on them, even if that's not really the case. Only one person died. I'm not going to speak on that, but only one person died. And it just, and it's just like, we saw all these unarmed black people die and mistreated by the police in these times in history. And we look at what happened with the protesters. They got home safely. Yeah, they were rounded up by the FBI, but they got home safely and barely anything happened to them. And they stormed one of the biggest, most important capital building, uh, federal buildings in the country. It just looks bad. It looks bad. I don't, <laughs> I think what they were protesting was dumb. I thought the election results were, were uh, legitimate all along. But then again, that's what I believe. There is some sort of liberal bias, even though I'm independent. There is some sort of liberal bias there because on the other side, these people didn't understand why people were protesting uh, George Floyd and Jacob Blake. So on both sides, we're not really understanding why they're protesting. Kind of like y'all wasting time, especially during a pandemic. I didn't protest either, but it's just, I don't know, man. I'm just glad it's done and hope nothing like this happens again. It scared a lot of people. And I'm going to keep it real with you. I, I pick someone up close to the Capitol and I drop someone off at Navy Yard, which is a mile from the Capitol. Quiet. Police under control, especially Navy Yard. Two hours after everything happened, Navy Yard was quiet and normal. Everything's happened in a one mile radius. I'm just saying, just, you know, guys, just, just have some compassion. And at the end of the day. We are all God's children. Can I get an amen? We are all God's children. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh my God. I, I rambled. I rambled. Uh, but basically, man, there are streamers on both sides and they make the general population on either side look bad. That's how... I conclude all of this. I'm just saying. Oh, and now oh, the security jokes. Everyone making jokes about the, the Capitol Police because they let them through and they, they was able to storm the Capitol so easily. I saw all the memes how <laughs> people say that uh, a Cheeto holding a, a door together is better defense than... The Capitol Police. I said the Wizards had better defense than the Capitol Police. 
it's just all the memes and jokes that associated with that was funny. I must I must admit that was hilarious. <laughs> I won't forget that either. Speaking of the wizard, oh man, is it time to panic? Is it time to panic now? Because the wizards are two and eight. They try and you know that. They trash and you know that. But can I really blame them? Okay, yes, actually. They was completely healthy until pretty much the last game. And you know, ironically, the last game, they only lost by four without Westbrook, Bill, and then Thomas Bryant. I'm looking at the stats right now of the Wizards in the Heat. And uh, shot 44%. You made 15 threes. And the funny thing about those 15 threes is Garrison Matthews and Dene Advia made most of them. That is the crazy thing about it. They made nine of them. They made nine. Of them. That's encouraging that we have people on the bench, that we have young guys ready to step up at a moment's notice. But these guys don't play defense. We're 28 and we give up the most points in the league. We are number 30 in points allowed. Number two in points per game, but number 30 in points allowed. How can you win like that? And matter of fact, they had similar stats last year so nothing really changed we're two and eight uh thomas bryant's out for the season with an acl tyler hero had 31 he hasn't he's been up and down all season but he killed the wizards because of course Rui had 17 that's it looks like robin lopez and mo wagner are going to split time because thomas bryant is out look man it's go time people got to step up we're two and eight we're two and eight, and we're quickly falling out of these thing, this thing. People gonna lose jobs. People gonna get traded if y'all don't get it together. Period. And even Scott Brooks, yeah, Scott Brooks, you're gonna be gone if you don't get it together. And that's on God. Two and eight. They lost to the Sixers, and Bradley Bill had sixty. He had fifty-seven. He had fifty-seven after three quarters. He kind of sat out half the fourth quarter. Then he didn't do anything in the fourth quarter. We couldn't stop Embiid because, of course, we couldn't. Lost that game. And we lost, um, who else the hell we lose to? Lost to the Bulls twice. Losing to all these teams. We got two wins, man. Beat Timberwolves without Carl Anthony Towns. We beat the Nets, a healthy Nets team, by the way, by one because KD isn't clutch. Well, he wasn't clutch then, and Kyrie wasn't clutch in that game. And they don't play defense either. That's the two wins. That's it. You lost every other game. You just lost to the Celtics. You had an early lead. Then you then you came back down 18 or something. You lost that game. I, watching the Wizards is frustrating. I love this team, but they loafing. They are fronting. And if they and the way things are going right now, with Bradley Bill and COVID protocol, Westbrook is in and out of the lineup. This is why he low managed, because he, he's hurt. He's hurt right now. And now and then Thomas Bryant out. Man, it ain't looking good. But we still have one of the best offenses in the league. So I'm here to tell you right now, there's still hope. And we got the number one scorer in the league. Bradley Bill leads the league in scoring. He's going to be all NBA. But it's embarrassing because it looks like, well, he is carrying the team. And people on the outside looking like, y'all need to get him out of here because he's doing all of this and the Wizards are still losing and not playing deep. You have got to be kidding. But this is life as a Wizards fan. 
you are starting to find out Russell Westbrook stands. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Miss Anna. Yeah. Or Anna Westcott on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is what it's like to be a Wizards fan. Y'all ain't going to like this ride. As long as Westbrook on the team, y'all not going to like this ride. They don't play defense. They lose a bunch of games. Now, I'm hoping, just like you, that it turns around and that Westbrook gets his. But right now, we front. We loafing. And we're done. But that's okay. Because joy comes in the morning. <laughs> See y'all to make me preach again. <laughs> oh, man. I said joy comes in the morning. <laughs> All right. Here we go. What am I doing? It's time for... Oh, my God. The Sooner Schooner. The Oklahoma Sooners. Now we're in basketball season. Um, I guess before I get the basketball season, Ramondre Stevenson entered the draft. Ronnie Perkins entered the draft. I think Creed Humphrey did too. Now we're, we're waiting on uh, Trey Norwood. I think Trey Norwood entered the draft. And we're losing some pieces, but this is Oklahoma. Re-reload. Hey, man, congrats to those guys. Go make your money. You already know what's up. Congrats to all the Sooners on the Ravens and the Bucks and, and the Rams. I saw Ogbo make a, make a tackle, make a key tackle on third down against the Seahawks. Congrats to all those Sooners who are on NFL teams that won. But now let's get to basketball. Man, I watched that OU game versus Baylor. They look outmatched. And it's not like Baylor, like, they don't have, like, crazy size or anything. But it's just defensively. It's not like they, they're, like, they don't have, a, like, a big rim protector. But the way they pressure the ball, it's just very hard to get to the rim. And it was hard for OU to get to the rim. And what I noticed was they took a lot of... uh outside shots and they had to take a lot of shots that they didn't want to take and that's how Baylor just kind of choked them out I mean every time OU got close Baylor just they locked down defensively and then they just kept being efficient on offense every time they hit a floater over a damn man I can't pronounce this guy's name Kerr Kerr Cut Kerr Kerr Cut basically man number 50 I can't pronounce his name I'll figure it out. I, I'll figure it out eventually. Anyway, he has long arms. He's our rim protector. And they were just floating it over him and everything. It was frustrating. And, you know, the Sooners may be not as talented as a Baylor or West Virginia or Kansas, but they fight. They may not, you know, be Texas Tech, but they fight, and they're very hard to beat because they're fighting. They fight, and they're real coached. By Lon Crew. But yeah, Baylor choked them out. They won by double digits. Okay, cool. We lost that part of the gauntlet. That's fine. They're the best team in the gauntlet. Then the next part of the gauntlet. We play uh play Kansas. Play Kansas at the fog. Haven't won at the fog since 1993. And every year I just hope this is the year. Every year I say this is the year we're gonna do it. This is the year we're gonna do it. This year I wasn't sure. I didn't have that confidence. I was just like a, a even killed wait and see. 
And then I heard before tip-off that Brady Manick wasn't playing. He was in COVID protocol. And just like a lot of Sooner fans, I thought we were going to lose. I was like, we're screwed. We're fucked. There was a part of me deep down that was like, this team still plays hard. And they fight and they're well coached. And that's going to keep them in every game. And sure enough, it kept them in this game. It also helped. That Kansas had like a big scoring drought in the second half. That helped. We fought in the first half. We played some solid defense. I like that little steal at the end that ended in the Austin Reeves layup. Um, I'm starting to like this team. I like the heart of this team. And this team could make a deep tournament run. Just because the way they play and the way they coach. They lost because... They gave up some back-breaking threes, and I don't know what Kansas center name is, but he was killing them. He was destroying. And it's just like, man, unbelievable. Unbelievable. We were so close, man. We None of us expected the Sooners to be in that game because Brady Manick was out. But yet they were in the game, and I think I tweeted, I was like, after Emoja Gibson hit that three to, I think, tie the game or... or they were down one after the three. After Moja Gibson hit that three, I was like, yes, this is it. It's our time now. This is it. We're finally going to break the streak. We're finally going to break this nasty Kansas streak. I swear to God, like every Big 12 team has won at Kansas except us since 1993. I'm dead ass. I don't know how they do it and how we have it. And, and, and our program ain't even that bad. But... When, of course, when I said that, they hit a three, and then we we started bricking a bunch of shots. Listen, I also tweeted, when they went on that six-minute scoring drought, we have to take advantage. And we weren't hit, we weren't doing anything. We weren't doing anything in that drought. We did some things to kind of stay in it in the last seconds, and then we gave up another back-breaking bucket. And I'm just like, man, we were so close. This was it. We were about as close. This is the closest we've been to beating them since 2016 when we had that marathon crazy game with Buddy and uh, Isaiah Cousins and them. That was our best chance, and we blew it. It's, sh- it's sad. We got to try again next year. I don't know who's going to be on the team next year. Uh, so it looks like we're starting to be in the easy part of the gauntlet. Uh, We got TCU and we got Oklahoma State. Winnable games. Oklahoma State, they got Cade Cunningham, but they're beatable. They're beatable. They lost multiple games. TCU, we already beat them. Like, we can beat them again. And Austin Reeves loves TCU. So, I I think they'll have a chance to win that game. It's just, the Kansas game just hurt. The Kansas game just hurts. And another thing that tipped me off that this might be a close game because Live Sexy New Jersey, follow on Twitter, is a Kansas fan. And she said they're inconsistent. But I kind of waved her off, thought it, thought she was just being cynical, being pessimistic. But it was true, man. They weren't, they, Kansas was very inconsistent that game. And it's just, man, I, unbelievable. It, it's just. Maybe next time. That that blew me how we lost to them, dog. Like real, real tough. 
Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. This McCormick guy. Man. This McCormick guy with the... Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, that guy. David McCormick had 17. And he had a hook shot over number 52. Blown. Heated. That was the back-breaking bucket that sealed the game and put them up four. Can't believe it, man. That's why Kansas just waits for basketball season. They don't even they don't even mess with football. They just wait for basketball season. And it's just crazy, man. I, I can't believe we didn't we didn't beat them. Oh well, on to the next. So now I'm hopping off the sooner schooner. Hopping off the sooner schooner, and let's talk about this Washington football versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. That was the game I was most looking forward to. I mean, I'm in D.C., all I listen to is sports radio, and I was just hyped for this game. I heard all the talk. I heard all the predictions. I heard all the analysis, and I was just waiting to see what this Washington team was going to do, and I must admit, they were game. I have no problem with Chase Young saying, I want Tom. If you're a competitor, you vibe with that. You want to go against the best. You want to go against guys you grew up watching. You want to beat them. You want to. You just want to, you know what I'm saying? You feel like you're the best. You feel like you're great. You want to go against other people that are great. That's that GOAT level mindset, man. Real talk. You a competitor. So I want Tom. I had no problem with that. Now, Chase Young, now, he was, eh, he didn't have that great of a game. You know what I'm saying? He was still active, though. You still had to keep an account for him. But I think part of it was that Tom Brady, every time that Chase Young did get there, Tom Brady balls out of his hands. Now, Tom Brady threw for 381, even with all the drops. But then again, if I'm going to say that, I must look at Cam Sims because Cam Sims. See, I, I got it right here. See, Cam, Cam Sims had like 100 yards receiving. He had 100 yards receiving, and he had some drops. So he could have easily had 150, 160. And he's the second receiver. I think you still need another big receiver. Unless you do want to roll with Cam Sims, Calvin Harmon, you do need a big play receiver to go with Terry McLaurin. Oh, Taylor Heineke played out of his mind. I didn't find out till before kickoff that Alex Smith wasn't playing, but I wasn't surprised because, first of all, the first warning sign was I heard he wasn't practicing. And the second thing is the people on the radio were saying that even if Alex does play, do you really want that lack of mobility on the field against the Buccaneers in that pass rush. And you see that there was one particular drive, their last scoring drive, Washington football team scored particularly because of Taylor Heineke's ability to get out of the pocket. Because of that alone, that's why they scored and made it, what was it, 23-24 or something like that. That's how they made it a two-point game. Or, did you know, what, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how they, they cut it close. That When Taylor Heineke scored that touchdown, that's why. When it was 23-25, yeah. When they cut it to 23-25 and Taylor Heineke dove for that touchdown, his ability to escape because there was a third down play where I thought he was for sure going to get sacked. But he escaped and he ran and he picked up the first down. 
He did that on two occasions, and then he did that on a touchdown. That now he got hurt. Now then that that he was done after that. After he got hurt after that touchdown dive, he was done. He had to come out the game. He made it back in time before we had to endure Steven Montez. <laughs> it would have been Montez time. But man, he really came to play. It seemed like he was well prepared. He was confident, and I believe that. I believe that he should get a chance to go for the starting spot next year. There's several things Washington could do. They could have a QB battle between Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. They both know the system. They're comfortable with the system. They both they both are mobile and have some pocket awareness. But they're not. You know. They're not they're not A-list quality quarterback. They're not even B-list quality quarterback. I still think you can get a better quarterback. Those guys played well when they were called upon, but do you really want to roll with one of those two going into next year? Alex Smith, after seeing that and, and the injury with Alex Smith, I think you gotta move on with Alex move on from Alex Smith. Cost too much money. But if you want to keep him, cool, man. Um there's, there's just a many ways they could go. They could draft the quarterback. They could trade up to draft the quarterback. They could trade for one of these quarterbacks. I heard they should trade for Carson Wentz. And I'm like, Carson Wentz was awful this year. Y'all don't want Carson Wentz. Like, Carson Wentz is regressing, and he costs a lot of money. But, you know what I'm saying? I think Carson Wentz, there's still something there. Because the year before, he did lead the Eagles to the playoffs in that, that, that run at the end of the season. But that would be a tough one. But if you want to get Carson Wentz, he, he, he'd be better than the two quarterbacks you have. I, I think. The three quarterbacks you have. So, up to you. I don't think it's a smart move. He costs a lot of money. Just, just let him ride it out with the Eagles, man. See what happens. But, you know... uh. Washington football team fought. I thought they were going to lose by 14 because I just thought they don't have no offense. So they're just going to get choked out. They're going to make it a close game because of their defense. But the very opposite happened. Tom Brady did whatever he wanted. He had 381 yards passing, even with all the drops. And also, um, the drops in red zone offense. Bro, they got in the red zone Several times. I mean, I got this right here. Tampa Bay was one for five in the red zone. One for five. One for five, and they still scored 31 points. And by the way, Taylor Heineke fumbled. If they pick up that fumble, they blow the game open. This should have been, I promise you, this should have been a 41-16 game. But, you know... The Reds, the Washington football team, credit their red zone defense has been good all year. They tightened up, and then, you know, they kept it close. Taylor Heineke kept it close with his legs. But this should have been a 41-16 game. Uh, Buccaneers were, were loafing. They were playing around. Um, they did a solid job against Washington's defensive line, which when you block that defensive line, it exposes their secondary. I think... Their secondary is solid, but they ain't all that. Like, when you when they are exposed and forced to cover longer than they should, they get exposed. Like, they're not as good. That should be, that's like any secondary, but it's 
definitely this secondary. They're not as good as I thought they were because they weren't the defensive line wasn't creating all that happened. And their linebackers are mediocre at best. So they got exposed. 500 yards offense. They better be glad Taylor Heineke balled out and was fearless. Because if not, it would have been 44-16. And I would have been laughing. Because it's very Washington sitcom-ish. After their first score, they squib kicked. That is Washington sitcom nonsense. What were they thinking? But anyway, I guess, uh, you know what? You can't be too mad at them for staying in the game. It, it should have been worse. They should have got blown out, but they stayed in the game. And I guess I credit them for that, and the fan base is encouraged. But, you know, they're going to have high expectations next year, but it's going to be tough for you because the whole division is coming back stronger. And you barely got the division title this time. Just wait till next year. Just wait Till next year. So now, other playoff games. So I missed the Colts and the Bills. So I missed the Colts and the Bills. Um, I was out playing flag football. I, I caught the last two minutes. I caught that last defensive stand by the Bills. It was solid. They made tackles when they had to. The, the pass deflection in the end zone. And, you know, uh, what's the name from the Colts fumbled? I think Pascal, he fumbled. But they... They called it a non-fumble. So, hey, the Colts got one more chance and the Bills held on. I knew it was going to be a close game. I was like, we're kind of underestimating the Colts. They have a veteran quarterback and a good defense. That is definitely a recipe to upset a hot team like the Bills going into the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Like, this is a, a notch up in intensity. I knew it was going to be close. And it was. But, hey, shout out to the Bills. They did it. They got through. And then the next game was Seattle and L.A. And once again, L.A. Rams just putting it to Russell Wilson. They just, they just made Russell Wilson look okay. They made him look average. It's just, they're just that good. They're just that good defensively. And then offensively, Jared Goff, with basically no right thumb, was killing the Seattle defense, especially late in the game. And, you know, um, and, and, and the Rams were forcing turnovers, too, and getting sacks. Man, I you know, I didn't know which way that game would go. And it seemed like the Rams just took control. They were up 30 to 13 in the fourth. I knew it was over. And then it looked like Seattle was going to make an improbable comeback after that, after scoring a touchdown, then driving the next time, and then wop-bop. Defensive line was all over Russell Wilson. Shame. And everyone's calling Seattle frauds. Everyone's disrespecting Russell Wilson. And they're still a good team. It's just that the Rams are always a tough opponent for them. And um, level-minded people... Know that, you know what I'm saying? Everyone with a, you know, a normal normal brain knows that, um, or a rational brain knows that the Rams are a tough opponent for the Seahawks. They're a tough matchup. I I don't know what happened to the, the Seahawks the second half of the season. 
their offense. But, you know, it's a shame, man. We thought they were Super Bowl contenders. They're one and done again. Wow. I mean, they're, they're done. I guess we'll see what happens next year, uh, how, they, how they're going to improve. But, damn, it's a shame. I already talked about Washington sitcom and Tampa Bay. And then now we got uh, Ravens and Titans. I thought, here we go again. Titans went up 10 nothing, and Lamar Jackson was turning over the ball. And then Lamar Jackson scrambled and, and scored a touchdown. And it was a new game. It was 10-10 going into halftime. And then the Ravens' defense just suffocated the Titans. I mean, man. I, the Titans only had, what, 51 yards rushing? The Ravens had, like, 200, I believe. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Ravens did their thing, and... A.J. Brown was a beast at first. He was a beast in this whole game. But at the end of the day, the Ravens did what they had to do. They won the game by seven. Nice turnover by, uh, oh, man, Marcus Peters. Nice turnover by Marcus Peters at the end. Love that guy. Love his swag. Um, I must say he only got that turnover because Tannehill missed A.J. Brown streaking down the sideline. That's a shame, but it happens. Pressure's on. You got to make a decision. It was the wrong decision. It is what it is. Well, congrats, Lamar Jackson. You can just see the emotion of Lamar Jackson and Orlando Brown Sooners. Ha <laughs> ha. OU DNA. You can just see the emotion of those guys, and you just feel for them. I'm like, damn, bro, that's what's up. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's up. And then, you know, Lamar's interview with Lisa Salters was wholesome, too. This is his whole swag, too. I like his whole swag, too. But, hey, I'm hoping for Ravens-Steelers uh, rematch. Wait, AFC's done, right? No, no, no. We might get a Ravens-Steelers rematch. The only way we'll get a Ravens-Steelers rematch is if um the Browns beat no, then the Steelers will be out. I guess there's no way to get the Ravens-Steelers rematch. So, the Ravens are going to play against the Chiefs or... They'll host the Browns. No, the Chiefs or the Bills. Yeah, they'll play the Chiefs or the Bills. Either way, it's going to be a good matchup, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. To see. The Bears and the and the Saints are on now. Kind of a, a boring game and missed opportunity by the Bears when when uh, Wims dropped that touchdown. Uh, watching the Nickelodeon, um, watching the Nickelodeon telecast. I like the announcing crew. Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle's son, Noah, I didn't know he had a son that was in broadcasting, but it makes sense. Um, this girl named Gabrielle Neva Green, she's, of course she's fine. Of course she's fine. Yeah, of course. Uh, she's on there. And then Nate Burleson. Nick, Nate, Nate Burleson, who, you know, I love him on NFL Morning Show. Yeah, I love him on that whenever I do watch it. <laughs> they got a nice little telecast going. You can it's kind of corny. They're trying their best to gear it towards kids, but there's only so much football you can kind of you know make for the kids like that. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much you can do. I love the graphics. I love the the Nickelodeon theme graphics. I love the slime. We can keep the graphics in the announcing crew. But, you know, the rest of the stuff is just corn. Just corn. Well, some of their jokes and, you know, some some of their jokes were corny too, but whatever, whatever. If this was an adult show, it'd be a little, they'd be a little less, a little less corny with their 
commentary, but most for the most part, I like it. It's something new, and adults like it more than kids, which is the funniest thing about it. <laughs> oh man! Um, and tonight, you know, I'm hoping that Baker Mayfield brings out that Sooner magic and beats the Steelers. I hope so, but uh, it's not looking good. No Kevin Stefanski. Uh, their guard is out. Olivier Vernon's out. Uh, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. But we'll see, man. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. They extended Jim Harbaugh. Michigan extended Jim Harbaugh. You can't beat Ohio State. You can barely beat Michigan State. You have no Big Ten titles. But you extended Jim Harbaugh. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I know Ohio State fans love that. I was like, oh, y'all never going to beat us. <laughs> you extended Jim Harbaugh. You never going to beat us. That's like Texas extending um, Charlie Strong or Tom Herman. Y'all crazy. I was going to go into another Michigan-Ohio State trash type of rant, but it's just no need. You already know how overrated it is. But, man, what are you doing, Michigan? Oh, well. I guess so. Ohio State's going to win another five to ten times in a row. Oh, whatever. Just uh, wake me up when the rivalry gets more competitive again. Thank you. So now it's time for... Here we go. The hypothetical game of the episode. And this time, it is the... 2007 Giants versus the 2020 Washington football team. Of course, when going against Tom Brady and they're going against a team with a nice pass rush and a so-so quarterback, the first thing you're going to think about is the 07 Giants and the 2011 Giants because that's how their teams were built and that's how they beat Tom Brady, the underdog with a nice pass rush. They tried to compare 2020 Washington football, and I thought that was ridiculous because I knew that the 07 Giants were way better than them. 07 Giants were 10-6. and six. The Washington football team is literally a play away from being 6-10. and 10. They're way better. But I had to run this anyway. I had to run this through What If Sports anyway, and it kind of went as I expected. Okay, the first simulation I did for fun, Giants won. It was a higher-scoring game. So I ran it again, and this is what I got. Hypothetical game of the episode. Well, first quarter, 0-0, zero, zero, nothing happening. Lots of three and outs. Eli Manning was sacked. And Taylor Heineke running for his life, throwing away the ball. No one's getting anything on the ground. But started the second quarter, the Giants putting something together, and then they punch it in. Derek Ward. For a touchdown, six-yard touchdown, and there's seven-nothing Giants. And kind of more the same. No one's really crossing the 50 the rest of the quarter. Defenses are showing out. Two really good defenses, two really good pass rushers. So into halftime, it is seven-nothing, seven-nothing Giants. So then third quarter, Giants come out firing with a drive, dink and dunk, uh, some quick first downs, and then... Uh, Derek Ward punches it in. 14 nothing. 14 nothing Giants. Washington once again, nothing going on. Nothing going on on offense for Washington. And 
It's 14 nothing. 14 nothing Giants at the end of three. Uh, the open the quarter, Derek Ward had a 59 yard run, but the Giants stall, turnover on downs, and Washington gets it back. And they do kick a field goal to make it 14 to three. And then, you know, they make another stop, make, and then they go three and out again. Then they make another stop. And then finally, finally, you know, finally they, they get it going again. And they drive and they get another field goal, this time a 44-yarder. This time a 44-yarder. And now it is 14-6, brand new game, four minutes to go. They're down eight. You know, after a Giants first down, they stop them. They stop them at, like, the 40-yard line. They get the ball back. And sure enough, with a dig, they hit Terry McLaurin. He sprints and he runs for 52 yards. And it looks like they are about to tie the game. It looks like they're going to win the game. Two-minute warning and incomplete. Then Taylor Heineke scrambles and runs for five yards. Then incomplete again. Then fourth and five. Game on the line. And sure enough, it is tipped and knocked down. And it's over. The Giants win 14 to 6. They run out the clock. They nail out the clock. 14 to 6, 2007 Giants. And that is the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you know that I'm out. Peace. Psych I lied. One more thing. <laughs> Psych I lied, boy. One more thing about these uh protests and riots. I think the reason why I think the reason why people riot and protest on both sides, they're just angry. They're angry and they're fed up and they're passionate. And also part of it is you got some opportunistic people that want to just join in in the fun and take pictures and videos and go along for the thrill. They just opportunistic. But I think the reason why people even go through limps of burning down, looting businesses and storming the Capitol, it's because they're angry. They're mad. They're fed up. And they're, they're, they're willing to take out their anger and frustration. When you're angry and you're frustrated and you're burning with passion, you do irrational things. You have irrational thoughts. And that's all I'm going to say. And I'm out for real. Peace. Rest in peace, JR. Fuck COVID. Oh, and check out my interview with Bruh is a podcast. Go to uh, BIAPpodcast.com. I, I think that's it. Three brothers doing a podcast together. It's really dope. It's very entertaining. Check it out. My interview with them and check out their website. Check out their uh, Spotify. Uh, check out their, um, check out all their stuff, their website. And, you know, they'll show them some love. Also, uh, GoatLevelTees.com for your merch. So I'm out for real. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.